Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we're joined by Jane Robinson, a narcissistic abuse specialist who is passionate about helping people access their self-empowerment to take positive steps forward and regain control of their lives. Using a powerful combination of integrated trauma-informed coaching, hypnotherapy, brain spotting, and rapid transformational therapy, Jane offers a safe, comfortable, relaxed, and confidential environment for her clients seeking assistance in their healing journey. Having personally experienced narcissistic abuse during her marriage and long after she left the relationship, Jane knows what it feels like to feel unheard, misunderstood, gaslit, and not believed. Jane became a licensed rapid transformational therapist practitioner and certified hypnotherapist adding integrated trauma-informed accredited coaching to her tool belt to enable her to provide educated support for others who are experiencing narcissistic trauma and abuse. Jane has big plans to create a series of masterclasses and would love to do further work with family law firms to help their clients calm their nervous system prior to mediation or trial to help them be in the best state of mind and make better decisions. Jane welcomes you to join her to live a life with more connection, focus, and happiness. Good morning, Jane, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Mary, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, Jane, let's begin like I began almost all my podcasts, and will you tell us about the first job you ever had? Well, the first job I ever had was a part-time job where I was working in the snowfields, working in hospitality, and that was really good. But then that led me into another job where I got asked to go and work for a small ski shop, which um, in the wintertime they hired out skis and all the ski equipment and all that sort of stuff. And then in the summertime we transformed the shop into um, imported gifts, like really high-quality gifts, you know, glassware, jewellery and all that sort of stuff. And it was amazing. It was a great job and I had fantastic bosses. They were very, very trusting, very, very supportive. And I was young and I was basically managing that shop for the next two and a half years. So it was it was a wonderful experience. It really set me up for feeling confident about what I could do and learn and, and that interaction with customers and all that sort of thing. So that was that was a great experience. It was. Oh, that's so fantastic that your your first bosses were so helpful and encouraging and empowering, especially yes. when you're young, because those first jobs, we think, oh, this is what work is like. And so when they are negative, of course, we can learn a lot from the negative experiences. But when Absolutely. we're young, we just don't know any different. So that's that's fantastic. What are the kinds of things? Do you remember the kinds of things they did that were empowering? Look, I think that they just gave me the opportunity to learn how business run the 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 ordering the the unpacking the checking of in um of the invoices that came through and all that sort of thing and then actually in the display they gave me a lot of opportunity to display in the shop on the shelves in the cabinetry how I wanted to so they really sort of gave me that ability to give me that creative expression which was really nice and and if she didn't like it or they didn't like it. They go, oh, and they would never be really degrading about it. They go, oh, what do you think if we maybe change that and move that there? And I go, oh, you know, that's a good idea. So there was never any 
putting down and and you know maybe maybe it wasn't that they weren't happy with it maybe it was just that it wasn't working but they were super supportive and very and I'm I'm a pretty um I'm a very committed person so you know I'd always be at work early and I wouldn't mind working late and all that sort of thing but in that they would you know often say oh you know look why don't you have next Tuesday off or something like that or you know so there was never they were really just amazing managers and of not only their business but of staff they were fantastic that is wonderful sounds like such a nurturing environment and was, yeah, yeah. That's, so where did you go from there so after that I actually got married and fell pregnant and had um two children and and only sort of worked part-time back again in hospitality and then when my marriage broke down some years later I moved from the country down to the city into Melbourne in Victoria and I needed a job and so I'm sort of thinking okay so what are my skills and it was sort of very difficult because um I was in a situation where I didn't have a car I didn't I didn't have anything you know really I was and with with two young kids so I thought okay so I need a I need a job that gives me a company car Mm. so I thought okay so what do I do I, I know the motor industry that's good I could sell because you know selling and and working with people was you know clearly something that I'd worked with in the past and had been successful in so I looked up the yellow pages in those days you know the big phone book and I thought okay the biggest dealership they'll be the best one to work for so I just rang them up and asked them whether they had any jobs going and of course this is in mid 80 early 80s so females in the motor industry were really rare as far as selling and so they sort of said oh would you like to sell aftermarket no I've got no interest in selling alarms and window tinting and you know bits and pieces I said no no I want to sell cars so anyway so they took me on and that started my career in the motor industry and as I went from there um, and that was with Toyota and you know we'd go to conferences you know they'd have releases or conferences with Toyota Australia and there'd be I don't know maybe 300 odd people at these conferences and they'd say good morning, gentlemen, and Jane, you know, wherever you are. <laughs> and um, so it was sort of like a little bit intimidating, but I really enjoyed my career and I felt for myself that I had created a space because we were moving then into the late 80s, early 90s, where women were getting more executive positions and therefore they were also getting company cars. And so what I was finding was that I was I was a really great asset to them because I was able to, you know, communicate with women and understand what their needs were. Whereas a guy would come, oh, you know, like, you know, you go, oh, so what colour do you want? You know, that that sort of that male thing of thinking that the only important thing for the female was what colour car she wanted. And um, so, you know, and and this was a start of where women were sort of coming into their power in in these executive positions and were getting a little bit miffed by, you know, this masculine attitude of like of anything, but, you know, certainly when it came to a car. So, you know, I talked to them about how 
you know, do they have children? Do they, you know, do they have a partner? Do you know what what do they have? So what sort of car do they need? Do they need a two door? Do they need a four door? Do they need a wagon? Do they need, you know, do they want a sports car or whatever? So it all became very personal and it and I think for me it really sort of changed a lot. And I had a lot to do with many of the executives outside of that um that dealership specifically and with other dealerships that where I um, was able to, you know, sort of say to them, you know, you need to understand that these women are buyers and they're not necessarily coming from the same aspect that you think that your wife or your sister or your mother would. So that was wonderful. But as my time went on, um, I ended up in another dealership where I had been um, so-called poached and, and gone to work at this dealership and the lovely manager that I had, he was... Um, moved on not long after because he was such a nice guy. That's probably why. But um, and um, anyway, they brought in another manager, and this manager was a real. Uh, he was just a misogynist, you know. He was sexist. He was everything, and it was a boys' club. And and because I was doing so well, it he hated it even more. And so he did everything to try and sabotage anything I anything I did you know he would he would write down trading so that I wouldn't get a deal or he would say that one of the other guys had spoken to someone else so they take that deal off me and all that sort of thing and it was really stressful because by this stage I'd also had twins so I've got four kids um I'm in a partnership my partner was in the motor industry as well and he's sort of saying, oh, you know, don't worry about it. Just, you know, do your job and whatever. But because I'm female and emotional and I love what I do and I put so much passion into what I do, I really found it, you know, really, really tough. So in the end, um, after getting up every day and going to work crying and thinking I just don't want to be here because, you know, he closed the door and he says, so what do I have to do today to make you leave? Wow. So he was really, and so we're talking early 90s, early mid 90s, and there wasn't that support. There wasn't those um, areas that you could go to in any workplace, and especially in the motor industry, because it's pretty closed off. Well, it, it may not be now, but it certainly was then that, you know, we didn't have access to be able to go and say, hey, this guy's doing this to me. So whether it was sexual harassment or mental reaction um, um, control or financial control, all those sorts of things, there was just nowhere to go. And so I ended up leaving and I left and went to another dealership where, um, where my partner was working and I had a great relationship with those, with the managers and that there. Anyway, maybe six, eight months later, our new car sales manager left and then in comes my old manager. Mm. And so he actually nearly stalked me. <laughs> mm. So he comes in and he's all very nice and he's going, oh, no, I don't know what her problem is with me. And, of course, they could see through it, but because of his credentials and, and, and his monthly outcomes, they thought, well, we need to have him here. But, look, the thing is, Mary, that after... Um, eight, ten months of that. And he he certainly didn't treat me the way he did before because he knew he was under scrutiny. He knew that they knew what he'd done to me, so I was very well protected. But having said that, it pushed me into 
another trajectory of life. And I thought, no, okay, I'm I'm at a stage now where I've got that, I have that understanding that I'm not going to beat this, but I'm also not going to put up with it. Mm-hmm. So it gave me an opportunity and a drive to change my whole career direction. So I got out of sales and I actually went into alternative medicine and alternative therapies. And that's really was the start of where I am today. And so at some level, you know, I think that when we find that empowerment to say no, enough is enough, we're so connected and so identified with our job or our position or the money that we make, we become so obsessed to some degree about that, that we think, oh, well, I can't leave because I might not get another job or I might not get the position that I've got. And I need the money because I've got a mortgage, I've got kids, I've got this, I've got that and whatever. But the reality is, is that I believe that once we sort of take back our own self-worth and realise that nobody or no company, no business, no person is worth, you know, ourselves being so undervalued and 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 losing our self-empowerment and that, you know, we are looked after. We will get that, you know, we will get that back. And, and I, you know, I, I always find it amazing that once we sort of like trust the universe, what, whatever you want to say, but trust in our own ability to create the life that we want. And these people come along in our life to teach us lessons about ourselves, and we'll either learn to empower ourselves, or we will learn to become a victim. And the one thing is that, you know, that I would say to everyone, don't become a victim of your outside circumstances. Stand back in your power and go, okay, what is it that I'm not getting with this? And am I happy with this? And if I'm not, how am I going to change that reality? Because I'm worth something. I'm worth, I'm here for a reason. I'm here. And if this is a lesson that I have to learn to stand up in my power, to move somewhere and find someone who does love me, who does respect me, who's not going to make me feel less than what I'm worth. And, you know, that's in work situations, friendships, family situations, intimate relationships, you know, you've really got to, you know, just go, you know, is the money worth it? Is is that worth it? And, you know, sometimes it's not, you know, to lose yourself, to keep your fancy house or your fancy car or whatever else, you know, all of that stuff can be taken away from you. But the only people that, you know, get their self-worth taken away is because they allow it, right? And I think self-empowerment, self-worth is really a wonderful, wonderful thing. Meditation is great, you know, just to allow yourself to really come back into your true self and have that faith and that trust in yourself that you can get over these people who who just think that they can override you and overwhelm you and and treat you you know, in 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 a way that's just not acceptable, and it's not acceptable. And the more that we accept it, the more they get away with it. Really, that's right. That's right. Jane, as you were speaking, I'm sorry that you had to go through those experiences, and I can just imagine, you know, going to work, crying, coming oh. home, being devastated with this sort of, I mean, this completely unjust treatment, and so many people go through that. Strong strong women, strong men, they find themselves. And some of that is 
realizing what's going on so that you can make a change is a lot of times we say, how could this happen to me, right? This happens with abuse all the time. How could, I'm a strong person. How could this happen to me? And when it does, the wonderful thing about conflict resolution, I think, is that it's everything that you said. It's about empowerment. We don't have to wait for somebody else to do it. We can step up. And the pain of that circumstance is not the end of the story. It's a bump in the road. It's very difficult and traumatic. And it takes reflection and healing and intentionality to, as you said, not stay in that victim mentality. And yes. that, because that is a choice, how we react to the bully, to the narcissist, to the sexist or whoever it might be, that is a choice that we get to make, even mm-hmm. if they are really, you know, hurting our livelihood, our reputation, but we still get to decide if we, what, what our life is going to look like. They don't get to decide that. They don't have that power. No, they don't, unless we give it to them. Absolutely. You know, if, if we give it to them, then they will continue to do that. And it's um, it's a really, really interesting process because, as I say, we put so much of ourself in our identity into what our bosses or what our executives or or whatever our colleagues even around us think of us and so when that's a nice thing when when that's a supportive wonderful you know fantastic view that they have we'll take that on and we think oh that's great you know I'm doing a great job but then when we get the opposite we we find it really difficult to actually go well you know what um I am better than this and I don't deserve this and this is just your opinion because we've become so used to the um, the opinion of others. So often, I, you know, I think that what we have to do in lots of ways is that we have to nearly negate the opinion of others, whether that be positive or negative. Mm-hmm. What we have to do is go in within ourselves and what's the opinion of ourselves. And when you get in touch with that part of you, then the opinion of others doesn't matter, whether that's positive, negative or indifferent, because we then don't have an identity outside of ourself of who we truly are and what our capabilities are. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I was thinking about a lot of things of what you said, but, you know, in different cultures, we praise and prize a variety of jobs and one job that is so important is raising children. And yes. whether you are a stay-at-home mom, dad, caretaker, the carers of our societies a lot of times are minimized. They aren't recognized. They might be praised in one hand, but then when we say, well, what do you do? And somebody says, I'm a stay-at-home parent or I'm a stay-at-home carer. It's like, wah, wah, okay. It's, but I am a businesswoman or I'm a businessman and then look yes. at me. And I, and I know that, I mean, I know lots of women who pride themselves in caring for their children and some men who pride themselves. And I think that is wonderful, Absolutely. but, but in a way it's kind of countercultural because the culture says, how much money do you make? What is your That's status? Right. Are you yes. an executive? And if you are, then you're going to get a certain kind of treatment, a certain kind of believability credentials. And we all know that it's topsy-turvy how we pay people, what we value when it comes to money and status. And so your advice of 
just not going there from the beginning, not to get your self-worth from whatever your title, your job title is or isn't. That's wonderful advice. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's the thing that we be, you know, um, you know, probably don't have it these days. I'm not sure, but you know, what's written on our business card so that when we hand over our business card, what does that say about us? But is that who we truly are? If you take that away, who are we without that title? And I feel that it's just so important for us to really just be who we are, be our honest, passionate self, you know, do a job that you're passionate about and that you love. And with that love and passion, if you remain in that space, it won't matter who you encounter outside yourself, you will always be the the, the bigger person and you'll always be the one that will then you know, if you get into yourself into a situation, you'll be able to get yourself out of it and go, no, that that's not for me. But the other thing too, Mary, that I think that what happens is that as, as we really start to bring ourselves into our true identity and who we are and be passionate, I say to people, I do what I love because I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. I love it. And and other people go, oh, I don't know how you do that with other people, how you deal with their traumas and whatever. And that's great. I don't know how doctors, you know, get a knife and, you know, surgeons open up people, you know, the side of blood makes me go, Ugh, whatever. But, you know, everybody has a role in their life and, and you know, they're here for a purpose and we all do that. You know, I've got a son who's a sergeant in the police force and I don't know how he does his job. I, there's no way no one I could do that. But we're all here with a certain innate skill and and purpose and once we do that and what I was going to say was that also too that I think that when we stay in our power when we and and it's not about being bossy or you know um dogmatic and you know all of that sort of thing it's actually about being true to ourselves and 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 in that we are compassionate we're loving we're caring we're understanding but we're successful and we're all of those things that, you know, you're needing in, in your work. But as we stay in that, we then tend not to attract the negative people around us because we're not on that vibration. We're, we're at this vibration or, you know, this, this emanating of our true self and that, and that empathy and that loving and that caring, that nurturing, that support um, that that wanting to learn and grow and 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 be in this environment, and the more that we stay in contact with ourselves and don't allow outside to influence us, then we don't attract that outside influence. So you know, we you know a lot of this is about learning about our own self empowerment and being able to bring that bring what's inside of us then is then projected outside. And if we're just good, true, honest people in our work and love what we do, then we automatically surround ourselves with people who are in that same that same vibe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Jane, so thinking back to the, your first go around with this negative boss and knowing what you know now, knowing what you know now, if you transport yourself now back then, would you have done anything differently or? Um, look, I probably wouldn't have um, put up with it for so long. And as I say, this this is something that on reflection for me, because I look back and I think, okay, we had a mortgage, four kids, you know, working six days a week, long hours, 
all of that sort of thing. And so you become attached to keeping the house, doing this, doing that. And, of course, it's about what, you know, we're also attached to what other people think. Oh, so you got the sack or you left because of this or you know, whatever the situation is, right? So we become very, very, very um, attached to that identity of who we are, what we do, how much money we make and all that sort of thing. So I think from my perspective on reflection, if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have identified myself with with the paycheck, with the success, how much you're making, how many cars you're selling per month and what the profits are and all that sort of stuff. Because, of course, in lots of corporates, you know, it's all about, oh, you know, your salesperson of the month. And then, you know, and if you sell so many of this, we'll send you on an overseas trip or we'll send you on a holiday. And, of course, that competition's there, that drive and that strive to, to win, and yet at some level we compromise ourselves. But... And we all do it in, in various ways, but there's probably nowhere more that we do it than in our work life. Mm. And so if 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 I had one thing that I know now, I would say, you know, those trips, that house, that situation, nothing is more important than my sanity, my self-worth, my self-empowerment, and for me to be able to come home and be the best mother that I want to be because, you know, seriously, you know, you come home from that sort of environment. That affects yeah. your family life. Absolutely. Your tolerance levels, your engagement with your own children, and that's something you can't get back. You know, people can take your money, take your house, take your car, take whatever, but what they can't, you know, but what we allow to be taken is our time with our family and our kids. I can't go back and look after those kids in a different way or be more connected with them at four, five, eight, ten, whatever they were, if that makes sense. I can't yeah. do that. I've right. got to do makeup now if that makes sense. No, not really, but, you know, right. but that's what happens. We lose that connection and then we put awful trauma traumas in, into our own kids because of our experience, you know. So, you know, I think we've we've got to think, you know, think about ourselves and put ourselves first all the time and that's not being selfish because you cannot give what you don't have within yourself mm -hmm. and once we learn that that we are we are the creators of our life but we have to come from within ourselves be true to ourselves and then in that we can be true to everything and everyone around us and you know sometimes that business card label um, might have to go, but it actually makes you a better person because you're not your title. You're not who you're not who everybody else thinks you are or projects or expects from you. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying, and it reminds me. So my background is in philosophy, and it reminds me of the Stoics. And the Stoic philosophy is this tried and true of. The only thing that you can control is the internal. You can't control the externals. And I think about that in work and when I see people being laid off and they've been loyal to an organization and the or organization is not something that can be loyal. It's an object and we're subjects and they just get axed unceremoniously in a big email, in a, you know, a, a conference call that gets put on and they see HRs there and they're just gone. And when we attach ourselves to those things that 
just can come and go. The people, the, wherever we are, these things just flow in and out. And some things are within our control, like how we show up to work, the kind of work that we do. But there's so much that's outside of our control. And really thinking about what we're going to focus on. So when it comes to work, focusing on building yourself and what kind of person are you going to be independent of where you happen to be, right? Yes, because yes. power structures are temporary. And when you're caught in a conflict, it does not feel temporary. It's all encompassing and it's very painful and it feels like this is forever, but it's temporary. It's all yes. temporary, all these externals, and they will all change because time yes. is moving forward. But what you get to control is how you're going to react to them. And the person you decide to be, who you decide to be tomorrow, begins with who you decide to be today. Yes, exactly. And, you know, and I think often that sometimes if you sit back and you look at how you then communicate with that person who's creating the conflict or being the bully or the narcissist, whatever, if you just stand back and just go, you know what, this I don't need to win this war. I can win the battle by just actually saying, you know what, this no longer serves me. Mm -hmm. And and when we're able to walk away ourselves with a sense of self-empowerment, we then walk into another situation with that same, we haven't lost ourselves. And this is why so many people I think that have been through you know, being axed, being put off, being, you know, bullied or or whatever, they've lost that self-worth, they've lost that self-empowerment. So it then becomes even more difficult for them to go to another job because they're applying for something else from being a victim, for yeah. not feeling good enough, for not feeling that they're worthy enough, for not feeling they're skilled enough. And yet they've got all of that. It's just that the opinion of one person or one organisation, one company, has made you believe that what they say is gospel yeah. and it's not, you know, yeah. and this is where I think, you know, we need to be loyal to our, you know, we talk about codependence in 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 personal relationships, right? You know, codependency must be a massive, massive big issue for people with their work, with their job, with their, the company they work for. And once you become codependent, you know, you're losing your sense of self. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the same sort of thing happens. You know, the trauma bond starts to happen within within that company as it does in a relationship with a narcissist or whatever, you know. You know, they tell you you're doing a crap job and then when they think they're going to lose you because they don't want to lose you, they tell you how great you are and right. give you a bit of a pay raise, give you a day off, send you on a weekend away, and you think, oh, no, they're really nice to me. And then all of a sudden, next week, got deadlines, not doing that, pressure's on, you're not doing good enough, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so that same trauma bond sort of becomes, you know, part of that. And the reason that you go into that cycle in your work life is because you're codependent, which is why a codependent will and an empath will always be attracted to a narcissistic relationship. So, you know, once we sort of understand that it, it it's it's transformable into each and every sector of our life, when we work on ourselves, that's when the healing begins and our own self empowerment and our ability to be in a in a job, in a workplace, in a relationship, in in and and that 
is any form of relationship. That's when we're coming from our true self and we create around us those people that do add to our life and help us be self-empowered and there's no competition. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not about competition or putting you down or being bossy or, you know, making you a victim to make you feel you have to be, you know, that you need me more than I need you. That's not true because mm-hmm. all we ever need is ourself. That's all we ever need. We should never need anything outside ourselves because once we do that, we're then handing over our power. Jane, I was thinking about, as you were talking about this situation, again with your boss, of how unjust it was. And when you were telling this first story, the first place that you were at and all the awful things he was doing, I have this strong sense of justice, which serves me and also does a disservice because I can get stuck. And I'm like, I want to see him get his comeuppance, right? He did this terrible thing or terrible things. And then he follows you still doing these terrible things. I want justice to be served. And I think that Maybe it's sometimes people get stuck in relationships or at work because they they want someone to recognize that this person is being wrong, they're mm-hmm. being unjust, and they deserve punishment. I shouldn't have to go. I haven't done anything. The powers that be need to rectify this, and I don't need to leave. And so this attachment to having the universe right then deliver karma, right, when we yeah, want yeah. It's our time. Yeah. Yeah. And make us get stuck. So how do you, because justice is important. So how do you see that working with people being self-empowered when they're not getting the justice externally that they really maybe deserve? Well, I guess I, I guess it depends on, you know, justice. And I mean, we're, we're always looking at it from that human perspective or that ego perspective that we're wanting to get that justice, right? And yet... You know, I'm I'm a believer that, so interestingly in my situation, so I left and would have been probably only about six months later, they sacked him. Mm. They sacked him, they got rid of him. And so, and I'm sort of like, cool, he did get his justice. But you see, the thing was that it was in universal timing. And, and, and for me, I guess I looked at it, well, that was my justice. He got it when it hurt him even more. And I had and I actually had nothing to do with it. So so at some level, I I sort of feel, you know, if you're wanting justice for people, you've got to remember that if you're wanting that karma, that outcome of 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 I want to see you get your comeuppance. Well, you know, the bottom line is that in that that revengeful or that vengeful attitude, that'll come back to bite you on the backside at some point too. Mm. So, you know, if you can just move into, you know what, you you will get it. What goes around comes around. And we all know that that's what happens. So I look at it from the point of view, okay, so if what goes around comes around, what do I want to come back around to me? And I don't need more of that. Mm. I want good things to come back around to me. So I raise myself above that ego fighting, wanting to win, whatever, mm. and just allow and just let let it happen. And nine times out of ten, and probably ten times out of ten, you actually find out that the timing of their downfall 
is hurting them more then than what it would when you want it. So, for example, this guy, he decided, you know, he, you know, he'd been there for a couple of years and, you know, he was earning lots of money, making lots of money and whatever, so he goes and buys himself over a million-dollar house. Now, we're talking about in early 90s. So, you know, this is 30-odd years ago and, and, and in that time, you know, here in Australia, you know, houses that were, you know, a million and a half dollars were not, you know, common. Now, now it's like that's the everyday price, right? But having said that, so he's put himself into a very high mortgage, high status, moving to this particular town in this particular suburb where I'm going to live my high life and I'm going to do this and everyone's going to think how good I am. Well, of course, six months after he's done that, he got the sack and didn't have a job. So then, and then his reputation had preceded him. So nobody wanted him. So bang, he's had to sell his house and he's moved to the country where nobody knew him because he was too ashamed of his downfall to stay where he was. So you know what I mean? So I had nothing to do with that. I was part of a process, but I didn't actually say, you know, I'm going to make you pay for what you've done for me. No, I'm going to put that energy, my anger, into healing myself and giving myself the self-worth that I deserve so that the next boss that I work for or the next place that I work appreciates and loves me for who I really am and I'm not fronting up as a damaged victim. Because if I front up as a damaged victim to the next job, I'm not going to be giving them the best of me and they deserve that. Yeah. So what kind of advice do you give to people who have been bullied, who have been damaged by other people's malintent, gaslighting, the way that you know people are can be really treated awfully at work? Or I know you yes. also deal with narcissistic personalities. Yes. What advice do you have for someone to begin that healing process, whether they stay there or they go to the next place? From from my point of view, I think that we really do have to heal that trauma because as we as we continue to be gaslit, treated bullying and whatever, it does start to break down our own self-empowerment, our, our, our self-worth and our self-identity because, once again, we, we've handed our power over to someone for them to decide whether we're good enough or not good enough, <clears throat> whatever that situation is, right? So I would say, you know, I deal with a lot of people that have been in narcissistic, but in bull bullying relationships, financial controlling relationships, whether that be work or personal, and and it's really coming back to finding that way to get them to find their self-empowerment, to find who they truly are, find that person that they used to be before all this happened and to understand that that's the very reason that they got sucked into that because they're such a giving, loving, empathetic, you know, all of that sort of person and all of that's been taken away, you know, you, you lose your identity. So for me, I think that healing is, you know, therapy, um, you know, I use hypnotherapy, I use brain spotting and that sort of thing to really get to the deep issues to find where that is and to heal that trauma, to time stamp it and to allow now new neural pathways to open with more positive messages coming into the brain. And, you know, and, and if someone doesn't want to do that, you know, meditation, just take 
five minutes a day to sit with yourself and and to and to you know start to really listen to that voice that's in your head and start to change that that monkey mind into something more because you know this is what happens if we get into a negative spiral we have given away so much to the other person to what they think and we think that that's true and it's not so you know I think meditation is a great thing and it doesn't have to be organized it doesn't you can do a um guided meditation be five minutes 10 minutes an hour what whatever but it just allows you to come back into yourself but certainly you know when you've had trauma it really is important to get someone who is a good therapist and who is trauma informed there's no point in just going to a counselor or or a psychologist or if they're not trauma informed because trauma and the way we store and where we store trauma is is so deep and it's so hard to get to that often the talk therapy just doesn't work because our brain's got a way of blocking that out and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and not opening up. So we need to get to that trauma, get rid of it and really come back to time stamping that and knowing that that's in our past. That is who we used to be. That's what it used to be. I'm not in that anymore. And that's one of the biggest things for people coming out of traumatic situations in work is that they're then on guard all the time in their fight flight waiting for the next boss or the next colleague or the next customer or whatever to treat them how they were before. And so they're not showing up as their best self. Well, Jane, that is such excellent advice and so practical. I mean, because anybody can start meditating right now. And if you it's don't free. know, how, it's free. And if you don't know how, there's so many resources online. There's so many apps. If you are a religious individual, most religions have some form of meditation. And yes. um, that's something that you can do. But beyond that, getting therapy. And I love that advice because um, a lot of people think, okay, well, I've shown up to therapy. It's not working. You mm-hmm. need someone, if you've been through a trauma and sometimes, I mean, sometimes people end up, you know, ending their life given the circumstances that their jobs have driven them to to take their own life. And so yes, and we, I do that after therapy as well, you know, because the therapy, I've been going to therapy for 12 months, 80 months and nothing's changed. And they think that their life's doomed because they're actually not sourcing the right therapy. I have a I have I have a theory myself. People come to me and they'll say, okay, I need to, you know, um, you know, deal with this trauma. How many sessions do I need? And I say to them, well, let's start with one. Because in my opinion, now they might need another two or three, but I'm not having you come for the next 12 months and become codependent on me to be giving you the answers. That's not how this works. I am a great believer and I use every part of my toolbox, my skills, my experience and everything to really hone into that person and find how they're going to heal, what's the best way for them to heal, their quickest way and them to take responsibility for that too and to help themselves in doing that. And, you know, therapy shouldn't take years. That's 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 just I think that must be a Hollywood thing maybe that, you know, people go and lie on the couch of their psychotherapist and, and, and you know, that beautiful leather thing and they sit there and drink tea or scotch or whatever it is. But, you know, for me it, it really is about 
My passion is to get people on their healing journey. And I start them, I give them the leg up, I give them the tools, I give them the opportunity. And then in their self-empowerment, because they're in control, they actually start to move forward and make decisions for themselves and help them to do that. You know, so it's not a pill to fix you, oh, you're all healed, off you go. Yes, it it can it can be that massive transformation, but all of a sudden that self-empowerment comes back to them and they go, oh, now I can do this. I can take up a hobby. I can do a sport. I can start walking in nature. I can start meditating. I can start connecting with people that empower me, who, who add to my life, who don't drain me and who don't suck from me and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it really is important. And But trauma is so deep. It's 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 that real subcortical part of our brain where that trauma sits, and it's very 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 important to get to. But um, you know, science research is showing that talk therapy does not get there. It just doesn't. You need to go to something that's going to deep further into with the subconscious where it is, and that's where healing healing starts. And and people's lives are transformed from it, you know. And and you'll often find that it goes back to a childhood thing. It'll go back to a childhood belief of why we've actually allowed this to happen, you know. So and and we can think we've had the best childhood ever, you know, had the best parents, had the best family, whatever. But it doesn't matter. There'll be something that might have happened at school with a teacher. Your mum might have said something one day that that's just sat there in the brain, and then it's triggered, and and you know, so you can start to accept things in your adult life that you sort of think why did I do that you know why did I allow that to happen so it's it's really great and you know as I say um yeah just just make sure that you know when you've gone through a trauma at work with a boss with a colleague or in, in any part of your life make sure you get someone who's trauma informed because if they're not trauma informed they just don't know how to deal with that and how to get there and they probably haven't dealt with their own traumas (laughs) so you know as a therapist you've got to deal with your own traumas to then be able to help other people but you come from that place of understanding because if no one's been through it they don't get it they don't they don't feel it they don't really 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 truly understand why you have the beliefs you have and why you have allowed these things to happen so once you sort of have someone who understands that, that can be released and, and lives change. Absolutely. Conflict, dealing with conflict and dealing with trauma and issues, the things that happen to us that we don't have control over doesn't mean we don't have any control. And just recognizing that, and as you've been saying, taking back your power and and realizing there's a variety of ways in which I can get help and I might need help from a variety of ways, but right there it's, I'm looking for help. And you've already started that journey by instead of saying, I need someone to rescue me. I can't do anything until someone saves me. It's the other way. It's okay. I'm going to do something different. I don't deserve this. That's exactly right. And so once we, once we decide that that's our that's our role to help ourselves. that's where we actually start to overcome the inner conflict 
because what happens is that when we you know when we're experiencing outside conflict we've got to remember that that's coming from within us too somewhere within ourselves we have conflict mm. and that conflict can be here I am fronting up to a job every day where I get treated like crap whatever and I'm being bossed and bullied and gaslit and all of those sorts of things and there's that conflict because that that part of you that's saying why is this happening to me why why what am I doing to deserve that so here's this conflict right should I stay should I go should I stay should I go and in that meantime of all of that our self-worth is being diminished and pushed down pushed down pushed down pushed down our self-worth all of that sort of thing so once we realize that we can open ourselves up to get some form of help and help this trauma, the inner conflict goes and therefore the outer conflict goes. That's beautiful. So Jane, I like to end with this question of, I also think about conflict resolution as preventative. I want to catch people on the front end so that they don't have to go through the terrible experiences as much as possible. So when you look into the future of work and you think about your kids and your grandkids and people at work, what would you like to see happen to minimize the harm that people experience at work? How can we have healthy work environments? I personally think that it needs to start in schools. I think that um, um, education in anything has always proven to be the way for people to map out their life or, or decide what they want to do. So education in every level, right? So I think that um, if, you know, I think in our schools and as early as early as possible, especially, you know, in, in, in primary schools and stuff, you know, we should be having meditation classes and having discussions and that, you know, math and trigonometry and all that sort of stuff, you know, they're very small percentage of people who use that in their in their life, you know, and it's all very well to, you know, we need to know our basic maths and we need to know how to spell, how to write, you know, times table, all those sorts of things. But life experience is so, so important. Interaction, learning to deal with others, learning to know who we are. And in those formative years where we're developing our personality and whatever, I think one of the most important things is education. And if we, as a society and as um, as, a, as a community, as a world, were to teach our kids, you know, that form of meditation, that form of self-worth, that self-reflection, of who we are and how we treat others, we're not only helping people move into a non-conflict environment, but we're actually helping people not to be the perpetrator of that mm. because education is the answer. Mm. You know, we, we you know, we've had education on, on, on lots of things, you know, over time, you know, drugs, alcohol, drink driving, you know, all those sorts of things. And it is education. It's a proven thing that when we get them before it happens and before that anger and whatever, and you've got to remember that these kids, these bosses that are narcissistic, these bosses who are bossy and nasty and whatever, you've got to remember they're coming from a trauma that's happened to them in their childhood. They're just reflecting something. It doesn't excuse the behaviour. But what I'm saying is if we want to really stop all of this bullying and narcissistic behaviour anywhere in, 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 in any part of our life, it has to start beforehand. 
So, you know, if you had, you know, imagine if you had these kids, if you could wind back time in this narcissistic, horrible, oh, vengeful boss that you've got, just imagine if you took him back to his formative years in, into when he was in school and if he learnt about what it's about and to be nice and not being punished and taken to the principal's office or given the cane or, you know, expelled from school, whatever the situations were, and actually just sit there and listen because somewhere within them there was something that needed to be heard and it wasn't heard. It was, you know, like I said, it's like the the child, mum, 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 and mum's going, no, 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 I'm not listening to you, la, la, whatever, then that becomes that nagging thing. So if that's the thing that's coming up for these people, it needs to be heard because they might be having a really horrible, horrid, bossy, violent experience at home. And if that's not being dealt with, then they've either, they've got, they actually become a victim, but then their survival kicks in and they then become the same perpetrator that they were influenced by as a young child. So I think that if we had more time in schools where children were learning to communicate, to sit with themselves and be able to express themselves and that emotion is good being able to tell how I feel being and this is male and female children you know they need to be able to express how they're feeling not just when they fall over in the playground and cut their graze their knee or or break their arm on the monkey bar we're talking about oh you know I'm just feeling this today and being able to talk around that and I just think that education is the only way because you know, you've got to remember that, you know, and it doesn't mean that you feel sorry for the, the narcissistic, horrible boss, but you need to understand that they're not born like that. It's a learned behaviour and it's their defensiveness that has made them become like that. And they just never have been given the opportunity to to get that healed or to get that listened to. I love that answer. I agree with you, education. And so much of what we talk about, you know, with workplace conflict is think about the culture. We want to change the culture. We want psychological safety, but we think about it within these bubbles within organizations. But as you rightly pointed out, we've had all these education campaigns that have worked in a societal level. And so if we, instead of going against the culture, uh, if we can change the culture writ large to prize self-determination and prize respecting one another and not prize the person who makes the most money. And so we keep them on and everybody has to suffer because they make the most money. If we change that narrative and say, no, we're not doing that. Early on, as you said, well, that person's not going to behave that way because they're not going to be getting, because that narcissistic, which of course, you know much more about this than I do, but they're doing these sorts of behaviors because they're getting a desired result. And if we take yes. that desired result away, then the behaviors are going to need to shift and they will shift. Yes. And they will shift. Absolutely, they will. And I think education is the thing. We start to understand we understand why people are like that. But if we start in, in our primary schools and teach our children to be open, be honest, be self-empowered and know that they, you know, aren't deserving to be treated like that. And, you know, we need to be able to, to deal with that within ourselves at some level and, and have an understanding and have a resolution with that person from a young age because what's happening is we're being taught at school 
Don't fight back. Go and tell someone else and let someone else deal with it. And once again, we're taking, pushing that responsibility of that resolution to someone else to come in. Now, their perspective might be very, very different from what you're experiencing as the victim and a different experience to, to why the, the, the other person's doing that. You know, there's two sides to that. And as I say, you know, that perpetrator might be being beaten up or abused at home that nobody knows about, yeah. you know. And now that doesn't excuse the behaviour, but it's a damn good reason, you know, because they're surviving, right, they're trying to survive. So it, it, it doesn't excuse the behaviour, but there's a reason for it. And if we can get ourselves back into in our education system with these young kids where they're impressionable, they're, they're, they're learning these, you know, learning skills and learning more, and I think we're getting there because the kids of today are so much more evolved they're more open they're more they're so much more switched on and you know and it's probably because of you know what we've got now you know in internet and and games and all all that sort of stuff you know there you know there's just that genetic and that's that evolution we are becoming smarter we are becoming more aware but what we need to do in that awareness that we're learning we need to bring it back it's not about actually being aware of what's going on outside in the whole wide world. It's what's going on in here. And if we all get that time to do that and to share that from a compassionate point of view, then that's going to transform our relationships as we grow. And it's also going to change how we deal with people as bosses or as employees or as in colleagues in our future as well. Absolutely. Well, Jane, I wish I could talk to you on and on and on. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute joy. It's been lovely, Mary. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, take care. I will. Thank you. Thank you, Jane, so much for your time, sharing your expertise. And dear listener, I encourage you, if you have been subject to a very difficult work situation in which you have experienced trauma. I hope that you find the help that you need. Conflict management is about personal empowerment. I wish the absolute best for you. Conflict Managed is produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services and hosted by me, Mary Brown. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember... Conflict is normal and to be expected, so let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.